0: And please, hold for our ad break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Phone's on silence? The phone is on silence. So <laughs> <laughs> it's my alarm. Oh. I'm you'll edit this
1: out.
0: Yeah, no, I'll cut it out. This episode is brought to you by Offerzen, a South African recruitment startup for developers. Offerzen inverts the normal recruitment process. Instead of applying for jobs, 350 tech companies in Cape Town, Johannesburg, and Pretoria send developers interview requests with upfront salary info. For developers, it's completely free to sign up and use. In fact, you get 5,000 Rand if you take a job through them. Visit OfferZen.com to sign up. That's O F F E R Z E N.com. Rebecca and Terry, tag team, uh, both speakers. <laughs> um, Rebecca, you've been on the show before. Yes, uh, that's awesome. All the Android, Android stuff, and, and then you did yes. Android things, home things today. I missed the talk, unfortunately. Oh
2: man, that sucks. <laughs> but I
0: heard people were even standing in the passages.
2: Apparently, I didn't see that far. Maybe I need to get better glasses. But I
3: heard this as
0: well.
2: It's yeah, <laughs> true. it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe next year I'll get the dome.
0: Hopes, you know? Dreams, (laughs) goals. Um, Tell us a little bit about the talk.
2: Uh, So I just covered basically Google's new operating system called Android Things. Uh, It's a a new thing that's in Dev Preview still, so they're still actively working on it. It's not like an official public release yet. Uh, But you can uh, basically prototype things that are Internet of Things stuff. This is sounding really bad, but anyway. Uh, So you can make um, connected devices using Android. Which is really cool. So you don't have to learn C++ or Python, and you can learn. Uh, you can use the knowledge that you know about Android to build uh, connected Internet of Things devices. So the talk I think went really well. Um, people clapped and laughed. So <laughs> I guess that means it went well. Um, yeah, and for me, it's it's been a cool experience because I didn't really know electronic stuff when I started. So uh, the whole learning of how to do like circuit boards and stuff was really interesting. Um, but yeah, I think it was well received and generally okay.
0: <laughs> Did you hand out all your stickers?
2: I have a few still left. I never yeah. got a sticker. Do you want a sticker? I would love a sticker because <laughs> okay, that'd be a good right. sign, and
0: people look really excited for yeah. it.
2: I, I, yeah, I have a few extras in my bag.
0: So, it's uh, having early access to Google things is now one of the advantages or privileges of, of being in the yes. Google Developer Yes. Gr- I forgot the... Google
2: Developer Experts. Exp- yeah, group. So this uh, wasn't... This was a dev preview. Um, well, it was sort of NDA knowledge for a bit, um, but we didn't really get to prototype until... So I, I've attended a few talks where they showed it to us, but it was under NDA. Um, but since then, it's now uh, public, so anyone can use it and try it out. So, yeah.
0: So what what would be a typical use for Google things, like home automation or or anything that you can do with a buy you could now do with?
2: Basically, yeah. So I think the targeting for uh, Android things is more based towards trying to build and sell an actual product. So uh, they're trying to get you to build the hardware and the software and sell that as a product. So more along the lines of you building a, a smart doorbell or something like that and you ship the whole thing and your clients don't really know that it's using Android things, for instance. But you can sort of prototype and do whatever you want to do normally and build it as if you were building your own Raspberry Pis the same way. Um, So yeah, I mean, I haven't worked, like, it's it's not publicly live ready yet, so I don't know if you would build any products on it based on it now, but you can definitely prototype and build random things for your home.
0: And if people are curious about it and and want to go learn more, other than your slides?
2: Um, So I think you can just Google Android things. (laughs) I can't think of the website right now. I think it's iot.developers.google.com. I'm I'm not entirely sure. We can put it in the the show notes. But yeah, so there's a lot of information already online, and the the platform's not even um, fully released yet, which is really cool because you're sort of seeing the iterations of how well it's, it's developing.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, kudos for filling the house.
2: (laughs) Cool.
3: Yeah, it was (laughs) fun.
0: And uh, Terry? Hi. Great (laughs) keynote this morning.
3: Thank you. I really appreciate that.
0: Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, where are you from? I mean, I'm sure somebody can pick up on the accent. (laughs) You're not from Johannesburg.
3: (laughs) Yeah, uh, not from Johannesburg. Um, I currently live in San Francisco. I originally grew up in Southern California, but I am in Northern California, San Francisco now. I currently work as a product manager at Twitter. I recently graduated from school, so my job at Twitter is my first job out of school. Um, when I was in school, I did study computer science. And yeah, I did my my keynote speech this morning, which was a little bit nerve-wracking. <laughs> you did well, there. Thank you. It was super fun. I had a blast. Um, but yeah. yeah my... I think everyone did. <laughs> That's good. That yeah. makes me really excited. <laughs> um, I, You know, it's always really interesting going to just a different, like, community country place in general i'm like are my cheesy jokes gonna be kind of funny or like (laughs) i don't know if people are gonna get like i don't know there's like know these jokes exactly like does my sarcasm make sense uh but i think yeah similar to your talk that it was pretty well received and i had a lot of fun giving it
0: luckily we're more americanized than people would want (laughs) to admit. Well, I think yeah. a lot of jokes would just people would get it.
3: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of picked up on that a little bit, so yeah. I'm like, this is good. I, 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 I feel be okay. like, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: exactly. Oh, you would think we, like British humor here is like the niche thing, like very few people do British humor. It's yes. just as general like media yeah. consumption. The years yeah. like we very we, people wouldn't. But like, we, we digress. Awesome. <laughs> How did you end up here?
3: Yeah, that's an excellent question. Yeah. Everyone's like, why are you here? Like, in a, in a good way. Oh. <laughs> um, so one thing that I wanted to do, a commitment that I made to myself, was just to do more public speaking. And so uh, I kind of reached out to a couple of friends of mine who I know do a, a bit of public speaking and ask for advice. And so they recommended that I literally just sign up for email newsletters that are about call for papers. Is it
2: the uh it's so the one maybe by Chuki and...
3: Yes. I can't remember the name. Oh, my
2: goodness. I actually submitted the link to that one. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so, I, so I actually know Chuki, and um, I was like, you should put the link to this conference in your Tech Speak Digest, I think it's called? Yes,
3: exactly. Tech yes. Speak Digest. That's so oh. cool. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Stuff on the internet works. Awesome. Um, maybe we can add that to the show notes as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's a newsletter that comes out once a week or maybe maybe a little bit yeah I think it might be less less frequently than once a week actually Uh, but it's basically a digest of conferences that are happening around the world um, that have call for papers open so a call for papers is basically just an open call for anyone to submit a talk and so I signed up for this newsletter and a handful of other newsletters as well that kind of are related to conferences Um, I found out about this I was like South Africa seems amazing (laughs) I want to go and also this conference seems really cool and so I just submitted my proposal for talk that I gave today and it was accepted and I was asked to give the keynote and I was kind of like okay okay, (laughs) sure sounds good and uh, and here I am yeah
0: was it the first time you gave this talk
3: the very first time I gave this talk Awesome. kind of intimidating I think you'd killed it, though. That's Thank totally you. totally awesome. <laughs> that makes me feel, that makes me feel, it's a talk that I, um, I think I'm definitely going to use again, because I had yeah. a ton of fun. Um, I, and I learned some stuff today as well, so I can kind of tweak things a little bit. But I really wanted, this was, I, my talk was on algorithmic bias and computing, and it was a topic that I've been interested in for a while. And so I did want an excuse to kind of like buckle down and do research and, and give a talk sure. on it. Uh, and so this is the perfect opportunity to do that. That's you know, and that's so cool.
0: biases is a interesting thing in, in software, whether you know it
3: totally. Or not. totally.
0: I, I was chatting to uh, one of the guys at one of the sponsors, but it doesn't matter, there's the sponsor, but it's just like why can't we like in open source specifically judge code um just for code's quality? It's like you've got a name and avatar in the code, and I was like but the name and the avatar will already trigger like, your biases. It's like no, I'm like no, but just the code. Like if you could do a code review with all the GitHub identification stripped off, it would be a completely different story 100%. than if everything else is with it. Yeah, and That's we true, went up hey? and down about it. It was yeah. interesting to hear people saying. And he didn't come at it from. He came at it from a really good place. He's like, but the code must matter. I'm like, yeah. Well, then you take the avatar and away. the name yeah. away
3: and strip it. Yeah, uh, it's actually really interesting. So I think that there's. this, uh, kind of like negative connotation when it comes to bias that makes people get a little bit defensive. People who are, totally great people. It's because they're unbiased of course. Yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> unbiased people um, but, but here's the thing like I don't actually think that like bias inherently is a bad thing. I think it's totally natural and what happens when you're a human being yeah. who grows up a certain way or has certain experiences. It's just how
2: your life has been
3: Exactly. I just think that it's important to like talk about those biases and to be honest about those biases Acknowledge that they exist. Acknowledge mm-hmm. that they exist and I think that's like the perfect starting place I don't think it has to be this crazy negative type thing, which is kind of uh, what the point of my talk was.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Really, I loved, especially towards the end, you had that quote from the book, I'm going to butcher it. You're going to be good at repeating it. When Steven. Breath
3: Becomes Air, yes. Um, Striving for excellence. Yes. Um, Paul, I can't, I'm not even going to attempt to say his last name because um, <laughs> I don't want to butcher it. But yes, uh, When Breath Becomes Air, I highly recommend it. It's a really, really quick read. Um, but it's an autobiography um, about this man who explores like these ideas of life and death. But he has this really wonderful quote that's about, um, I wonder if I know it off the top of my head. You do. Do I? Yes. (laughs) Um,
0: You can never reach perfection.
3: But you can ceaselessly strive towards an asymptote of perfection. I'm like mixing up the words slightly, but yes, ceaselessly strive towards an asymptote (laughs) of perfection is kind of like the idea of it, which is like, you can never actually get there, but you can um, endlessly get closer and closer and closer. And, and I, and I think that's really true and really resonated with me Um, and is, really applicable when it comes to being cognizant of bias and how that manifests in code.
0: If somebody didn't see your talk, what tips could you give them for detecting that the biases are present or accommodating um, or working against it, like if it's a bad bias.
3: Yeah, Um, so I I go in a little bit more depth in the actual talk but um, to essentially kind of summarize One thing that I think really, really helps is um, number one, acknowledging that everyone has biases. And then once you acknowledge that this is true and that this is a fact and this is something that you want to be cognizant of as a programmer or as a human being in general, um, thinking about your privilege. Because privilege is often how biases manifest in code. So some examples that I give in the talk are that like I'm financially secure, um, I'm educated as well. And so I might build or create or implement products and code that bias towards people who have somewhat of financial security or are somewhat educated. And that happens naturally because that's kind of like what my current circumstances are. Thinking about my privileges is a really good way to check yourself um, and be able to um, be cognizant of the biases that you have when you build things out. And then secondly, uh, the argument for diversity, just being around people who are different from you makes you realize the things that you kind of bias towards naturally, um, which is a really good way to like make it very obvious that you might uh, have certain biases that manifest in the technologies that you build and interact with.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's some great advice. Um, and I guess kind of for a, a lasting uh, thing, it's like your experience of South Africa. I mean, when, when did you land? Like, did oh you have a, a yeah. little bit of time to settle in and, and see are you going to do some <laughs> touristy things or is it like hit and run out?
3: It's a, a little bit of both. Uh, so I landed yesterday uh, and... <laughs> I was able to like put my stuff down in the hotel room and take a shower and then immediately was here for my like tech check, sound check. Um, And then we went to a lovely dinner last night and that was great. And then the conference was today. So tomorrow morning I'm going to Cape Town, which I'm really excited for because everyone's like, Cape Town is amazing. You'll have so much fun. Um, I grew up by the beach, so I'm excited to be like in a beachy area. The water's Uh, very cold in Cape Town. I know, I know. I'm, I'm planning on just laying out and soaking up the sun. That is totally okay with me. Hopefully no rain. Hopefully, fingers crossed for no rain. <laughs> I, I checked the weather and it said it wasn't. It's not, not
0: rainy season. But oh, the yes, weather is yeah. so.
3: The world these days is like.
0: No, I, even every. So just quick, every February. I mean, Cape Town's a winter rainy season. So um, generally like June, July, August, September. like. Yeah. But every February for Ruby Fusa, when we go down to so Ruby Conference, it's down there. One of the days it will at least drizzle. And it's the middle of summer. It's not supposed to rain.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Isn't RubyConf happening now?
0: It was in the oh, beginning no, of Feb.
3: Oh, in the beginning of Feb. That's right. There's another Scala conference. Yeah. Scala, Scala That's what's happening now. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so that's what I'm doing this weekend. And I'll be there for two full days. And then I head back to San Francisco. So not nearly enough time, obviously. No. Um, but I will at least have two days where I'm not doing work or stressing about a talk where I can like at least enjoy it a little bit before I head back. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: and enjoyed it enough so far that you will be back. I, I mean, outside reception being from the people. Amazing. And in the short
3: time. amazing people have been incredibly friendly I love being told I have a cool accent because <laughs> um, that's very rare because I'm obviously always around people who talk like me uh so this is kind of fun but no I, I've had a, a really great time everyone here is incredibly smart and excited about the future and been very supportive of my talk um and the weather here well it started raining today but before then it was very sunny and like I'm going to say 80 degrees, even though that means nothing to you. 80, 28, so 27, that's yeah. about right, that's about right. Perfect, I loved it. Uh, so yeah, it was great, and I'm definitely, definitely going to come back at some point. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Well, awesome. thank you both for for like being part of the big conference and spending some time with me. Yeah,
3: um, that's awesome. No, yeah. it's it's
0: just great, especially having female speakers, international speakers coming here to come Woo-hoo. share their stuff. <laughs> Yesterday, (laughs) International Women's Day. So yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, and yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for having us. I'm joined here by Gareth Stevenson, who just gave a a great talk on building a cluster with Raspberry Pis. I guess my first question is, where on earth did that idea come from? I mean, Raspberry Pis aren't like generally considered good for cluster computing.
4: Yeah. I guess it was just a idea of what if. You know, let, let's just give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Um, like I said in the talk, everybody rushed to go the cloud route when we were given this assignment to do because I did it through the CPD course at wits And I was like, no, there's a lot of learning we can get out of like, just building our own stuff. Uh, what are we missing that's been abstracted away from us? What, you know, what are the good parts we're not seeing? And uh, yeah, I thought let's do something that's really cheap using commodity hardware, and the Pi had the specs that were good enough, and I thought, let's do that. And you built it all with Pi 3s. Yeah, that's right, the latest yeah.
5: Ones, yeah.
0: And uh, I mean, you said you had some interesting challenges going through the iterations, like melted
4: Lego <laughs> casings. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'd never touched a Raspberry Pi before, until last year when we decided to do this project. So I had no idea how much heat it generated, what kind of power requirements it had, nothing. So I just went in totally Totally naive. And I thought, yeah, let's put it into a nice little case because it's neat, right? And the case didn't agree with me and it melted because it ran so hot. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it was a messy experiment in the beginning. But, yeah, you live and learn. But, I mean, apart from that, like what else did you
0: have to learn that you didn't anticipate? I mean, the idea of just running distributed computing sounds simple enough if you can spin up a cloud server. But I'm I'm sure you had a lot of surprises and, and learnings
4: along the way. Correct. It was like, um, how do these things actually communicate and coordinate it? That, that was something I don't get when I just spin up a VM instance on some Cloud Share somewhere. Um, like, how did things all sync? How do they speak to a master? How does the master speak back to the slave? Or once you go into the guts of configuring the stuff and you start to see, like, this thing has to talk this way via this channel, you start to realize, oh, it, it actually uses this kind of messaging pattern to get that kind of stuff across. Things I would never have known if I just clicked a button on a screen and voila, I had a cluster computer in the cloud. Yeah.
0: And uh, I'm curious about like you showed all kinds of voltage and, and watts and amperage usage,
4: and how much of that did you have to learn from scratch to get this done? A lot, because I, like I said, first time I played with a uh, Raspberry Pi, so I had to learn, like, yo, this thing requires voltage of a certain type. Normally I just plug in a power supply that it comes with and hey, it works. And when you try to scale that and you start to see like you've got so many power supplies on this multi plug, it just starts looking like a fire hazard. So I was like, okay, how can we scale this down? And like, well, not scale it down, but just bring everything together into one package. And then you start to learn, okay, we have to distribute five volts, but we have to do it in parallel. And that's where, you're like, oh, amperage, we do that stuff starts to drop. Okay, so we have to pick it up. How do we do that? Increase the pipe of the wires. And that kind of—it's a lot of learning happened. Yeah. First venture into it, a lot of learning, a lot of fun.
0: I'm thinking that's the kind of stuff that should have showed us in high school science. So you understand what Coulomb's
4: law and all the stuff actually is. Well, that's the thing now. Uh, people should be doing that because you can just buy the stuff off the shelf now, right? You can just buy a Raspberry Pi and buy a little power supply and like hook it up and like start to adjust stuff. Before then, it was like really hard to come by that stuff because electronic components were expensive back probably when we were in high school. You
0: know? And how long did it take from? the like first idea
4: to getting your first program running yeah uh i think i spend more time on building the hardware than the software because i've primarily been in the software space for a long time so i was able to iterate on that quicker than on the hardware side so to get something running not good but running was probably about a couple of days with uh, actually building the hardware was like weeks so yeah it orders of magnitude
0: difference and uh, i guess somebody like me who's always scared of the smoke coming out of the, the hardware and it no longer runs like yeah. what kind of kept you going and, and
4: and keep pushing um when the smoke didn't come out i knew i was on the right path so then i just kept on adding on and adding on until smoke came out then i realized that's the wrong path then you go another way and that's the only way you can do it you get better less smoke comes out You start getting better results yeah but yeah, you have to burn your fingers sometimes
0: and for people that are curious and, and want to play with raspberry pies like From scratch, what kind of advice can you offer them? Get one.
4: Just plug it in, mess around, see what it can do. You'll be surprised what these little machines can do. Just order online, go to your tech lots, go to anywhere. They're readily available. Just get one, do it. The only way to get into it is to get into it, get one. Cool, awesome, thank you. Cool man. I want to take a moment to tell you about
0: OfferZent. OfferZent connects you with more than 350 South African companies that are hiring developers. Instead of dealing with recruiters, or applying to dozens of jobs individually, on OfferZen companies apply to you. To get started, just sign up on OfferZen.com and build a profile. Once you're ready, your profile is made visible to the companies hiring on OfferZen. Companies interested in you will send you an interview request with details about the job, including upfront salary info. So if you're looking for work or want to hire developers, check them out at OfferZen.com. That's O-F-F-E-R-Z-E-N.com. So, I'm joined by Matt Cavanaugh from Brocode, who just gave a, a great talk on, on like, breaking into websites effectively and responsible disclosing and just stupid stuff that people get up to. Uh, how do you think that went?
6: Uh, a lot of people came and smiled at me, so I guess it went well.
0: So, also, I kind of liked it, but I was blown away by just the amount of stupidness you showed that, that people go, go through when they publish websites. What, what do you think would be like a message for just any developer um, who's responsible for base, building public-facing systems? Right? Like, what can they kind of do to make sure that they're not vulnerable?
6: So, um, I mean, I, I don't know uh, a lot of the, the technical sides of security, but I, I think it's important for most developers, no matter what skill level they are, to just sort of do a few basic tutorials on different things uh, um, like intercepting APIs and and reading through data and finding out how SSL works and, and these sorts of things, just so no matter what system they're making, they can't make mistakes, like I, I said in the talk, where they're returning a password uh, in plain text to the client, that's, uh, it's just completely negligent. Like I, I don't really understand how that happens it's it's either someone that just doesn't know at all, and in that case, they shouldn't be developing a system for for such a big company. Uh, it yeah, maybe they just hate their jobs, but but yeah, uh, there's a guy called Troy Hunt, and he details a lot of amazing uh, things about security. And no matter what level a developer is, it's definitely worth going and just reading his stuff. Just so you, if you don't know how stuff works that's okay it just uh, you just need to understand what threats are out there and know to try and not make them
0: how easy was it for you to just start exploring this this world because I, I asked because it's important like you say you're not a, a security expert or hacker at all but somehow you managed to still like do amazing stuff poking in systems and, and getting into their heart and decompiling flash and unearthing encryption keys and whatnot. So it's like, what was the first steps you took?
6: It's, it, it really uh, just comes from complete and utter incompetence and in the, the sites that have these flaws. Uh, it's nothing that I know particularly, like you mentioned, decompiling Flash, that's like a five second Google to find a free app that does it for you. Uh, I don't need to know how Flash works. I don't need to know how it compiles. I just need to know that I want to be compiled. So it's not really anything I know. It's just that there's so many absolutely ridiculous uh, ridiculous mistakes that, that people make building these systems. And if somebody does find a vulnerable system, uh, what should they do? So as I mentioned in the talk, I... Uh, I think that responsible disclosure is the right way to go, and that's basically uh, where you tell the company that you found this problem, you, you tell them if, if you understand how to fix it, maybe you tell them that, and you don't tell anyone else. Uh, you give the company time to fix it, and you try to agree on an amount of time that they have to fix it before you speak publicly about it.
0: Cool. Thank you so much. That was a great talk. Cool. So I'm joined by Candice and Robert, organisers of DevCon this year. Great show, you guys! Um, Thank you. A lot better than last year. Um, like I said a few times, but I like don't know how to quantify. It, but there are lots of happy people smiling everywhere. So Thank great you show, so much. Uh, my first question would be, and this is based off last year's talk, which you have got a link to the show in the show notes. Where Robert, you said like you wish this year you actually have a chance to see more talks.
5: Did you? Yes, I've. I actually got to two talks this year, so it's been a significant improvement over last year where I got to zero. Um, the two talks I got to see was uh, Buddy and his talk on blockchain, which was amazing. So it was in the room. We're actually sitting in wrap now. And then uh, Matt Kavanaugh's talk on security and ha- hacking and how he got access to a lot of certain companies' data um, and other companies' information. It was, it was lots of fun. I had a good laugh in that one. Yeah. And uh, Candice, did you get to see any talks?
1: I did. I saw, I actually went to the first few talks. Anuja from ChiliSoft, she's the CEO of ChiliSoft. She did a talk on what I would say was bridging the gap between what is business value and what is being a developer in a company, which I thought was incredibly valuable. And um, I also really enjoyed Marius Debeer's talk on burnout. It was really insightful, very interesting. And I saw Rachel Reese's talk on whether or not programming functional programming is a fad. I thought that was very interesting.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I traded that one for the Elm Talk.
1: The Elm Talk.
0: Yeah. So it was like two functional talks mm. next back to like same track mm. at the same time. How did the preparations go this year? I mean like lessons learned from last year, all the aircons worked. <laughs> yeah, from last well, year when we started 90% to...
1: of the aircons worked.
5: We we had it's Devcon. <laughs> one aircon must die. <laughs> Um, so we had one ACON fail this morning. It was fixed at lunchtime, but I have told people that for 2018 If an ACON doesn't bind by natural causes, I will shoot it <laughs> because we need some tradition here it's somewhere um, It's been great. We started to prep a lot more a lot earlier. We started in the 13th of July as opposed to September um, which gave us a lot more time we switched venues to a uh, a much bigger venue we can hold 750 plus people in the main hall uh, the main dome here at voter world and that has been fantastic better world's also super experienced with this sort of stuff um and they are they know exactly how to run these events they know so we've had very few problems today I'm, I'm probably more critical than than anyone else about this you know even two seconds of problems is a big problem uh and so i've been watching on twitter i've been watching on this and we've really positive feedback for everything
1: I agree that's all I have to say about <laughs> no yeah. I think that the, the feedback from the people here has been well done excellent job and I really feel like today we didn't have to do anything that was really the great part about we got to just show up today and be like attendees everything that we needed to have organized was organized and like, I don't know
5: what Candice is talking about. I don't
1: know what Rob did <laughs> my, my feet are so
5: sore. I have been, I, I, I went to every session. <laughs> we to like we part of the day in I spoke <laughs> to every sponsor. spoke to everything. It's been, you know, it, for me, uh, and a big reason why this conference exists is there are many ways to learn things. Um, for a lot of people, when you're starting out, when you're new in a company, new in software dev, going to a session like this, is going to talks is useful to learn. If you work at uh, companies that are have very rigid ways of working, it's very useful to go to one a conference where you can see other technologies. You can learn about things you would never see in your day-to-day job. I haven't felt that's me for 10, 12 years now. What I do find is the conference talks in the passages, the conversations I've had with people and the things I've learned just in the passages have been far more valuable um, than anything else. And so, you know, for me today is a day of, not going to many talks, but mm. learning a lot and growing a lot and finding out about people and the things that make them passionate and and then how I can apply that and how I can I learn from them in that way. Um, so maybe it's very different <laughs> for me <laughs> well, because I don't go to many talks and, and run around a lot and try to pick up these different things.
1: I guess what I was more referring to is that you didn't have to lay a carpet.
5: Oh, Or, oh, yes.
1: <laughs> or see to a catering issue or fill a bottle of water because, or a jug of water because Great, yeah. the delegates were thirsty. Well,
5: yeah, like, we, I must admit, like. For me,
1: that was that was amazing. Just we've, we've had, we were so supported.
5: We've had amazing support. Um, I, I, they're not a sponsor in any way, they're a company we work with. But Fizz Marketing is the company and. You know, as much as they are, like we pay them and everything, they're more a partner than anything else.
0: Mm -hmm.
5: Um, And I, you know, a lot of what you see is them.
0: (coughs) I'm curious. Was it easier this year to get the sponsors on
5: board? Because now you've got a track record.
0: Even if it is just one. It definitely was easier.
1: Um,
5: We we almost tripled our sponsors from last year. Um, We've had to turn down sponsors this year because we physically don't have space to put them in the hall. Uh, in the expo area which has been a a tremendous acknowledgement of the value that we can bring to them the ability for sponsors like bbd dvt to engage people to find new developers Um, i was speaking to the guys at offers in who do a recruiting platform for software developers and how this is they have got signed big contracts today being here because it's given them exposure it's given these things to them Um, and I, you know, I hope they'll be back next year because they see the value in this. You know, uh, we, you know, and it has been easier last year. It was a lot of phoning up people we know and Hey, would you, we think this will work this year we had sponsors contact us and ask us if they they could be sponsors, which is a very humbling experience, uh, for us to, to get that acknowledgement that we were providing some value to them as well.
1: And the one thing that I noticed that was different between last year and this year was last year we were quite um, obvious about which were sponsor talks. And this year we didn't really do that. And the people that went to the talks that were actually done as a sponsor benefit, they didn't tell the difference between that talk and any other talk that was selected because their submission was so good. So I just thought that was a great tribute to our sponsors that they really are community players. And they, they don't seem to be any different to any other great speaker. Oh, so I looked at the program. The I was
0: like, where's the vendor track? Yeah. Could, so yeah, kudos. I didn't realize there were vendor
5: talks in between. Yeah, we, we, we got rid of Last year, we had the vendor track. We killed that. We also cut down on the number of vendor talks um, to make it more of a important benefit for sponsors. But as you say, you could look at that talk, that list and not spot them. Mm-hmm. Um, and not be able to find the the mark. Yeah, I don't want to say marketing pushes because they, they you weren't. They weren't. But they're the accidental. The if you know it's a vendor track, it happens accidental. Correct. And then
0: people's biases might just go like, "I don't like company X," so I'm not going to exactly show where yeah. now a good message can come through regardless. Absolutely.
1: Yeah,
0: that's great. Were there fewer talks this year? Or the same. There were uh, eight fewer talks this year. So, so there was a generous amount of, of networking time in between, which was actually like refreshing.
5: Yeah, we, we try to make sure we have we, we did a couple different things. We make sure we have a lot of networking time. Obviously, it, it comes back to why I my my view of conferences that passage conversations are important, networking is important, even if you are a junior developer, the people you meet in the passage are the people that are gonna help you get your next job. And so that is important. We also changed last year we only did 35-minute uh, talks, and the feedback we got from the attendees was that it's an awkward length. It's too long to sort of focus on one topic, and it's too short to focus on a range of topics. So you had these talks that were kind of just a bit weird. This year we broke it into having 25-minute talks, which is, feels like a very good length. For I want to give you one, advi- one piece of advice. I want to show you why this one thing matters, why this one thing can help your business. And then we had 45-minute talks, so a longer talk where somebody could dive a bit deeper, go into a bit more. And, you know, um, I'm going to pick on Matt Cavanaugh again because he's one of the talks I went to. His talk, when I read the description, I walked in expecting he's just going to talk about the company that he was working with, oh, the company whose data he got, and then how he worked with him. But he went into the code and the evolution of that, how he started off figuring these things out. And he was live coding in Visual Studio on stage, and it was great to watch. Oh, yeah, just related to the session timing. Out this, <laughs> this morning outside,
0: I heard from one of the speakers realized only last night at the speakers' dinner
1: that he out his, his this, talk was, was way shorter.
0: shorter and <laughs> like, whoa, And, and he, he gave the talk at another conference, and he said, like, so he bumped it up from there to go from a thirty-minute slot to a forty-five-minute slot. Only to realize he's in twenty-five minutes. Wow!
1: <laughs> so, I'm not but sure I, how I, that I, happened uh, because the, the speakers were able to select the length of talk that they wanted.
0: You, I think <laughs> yeah. you forget that. Uh. So we mentioned uh, it a few times, just chatting to the speakers, me and Len. Uh, Len brought it up. It says, Holman's Law, uh, that Zach Holman from GitHub, he's a prolific speaker over uh-huh. the years. Well, he's not at GitHub anymore, but he, he coined this Holman's Law. It basically says, from the moment your talk gets accepted till when it's done, delivered, like it completely consumes your life. Uh-huh. Uh, it is the number one priority. Uh-huh. Your work will suffer. Your personal life will suffer. So I think things slip through. A speaker can easily just get something small wrong. Very much so.
5: Nice. And what 750 people are, that uh, is? Our, our final number for today is 762. I mean, that's a big jump from 450
0: last year. And I mean, last year you said you started with the idea of, well, to, to a sponsor saying 350 and yeah. then like thinking only 300. I mean, it's nearly double the
5: size. Uh, what gave you the confidence?
1: We did say 500 to 700, just in case. Yeah,
5: we, we were... But we were quite ballsy. We, we decided we wanted to try for 700. Last year, we had about 200 people on our waiting list. And we thought, ah, you know, if everybody on the waiting list comes, that would give us close to 700. Let's try for 700. Uh, Mark Pearl, who was a speaker here, helped run the conference last year, uh, came to me today and said, like, when you told me you are going to do 700, I laughed. Because you would never get that. And... I honestly didn't think we'd get it either. I thought, you know, I want to get to the point where I have 10 tickets at the end of the conference. And it's like, everybody who wants to be here, who should be here, can get here. And we sold that 700 tickets. And then we had to phone up all our sponsors and phone up the venue and ask them if we could find 50 more seats. Um, it, it was a bit of stress for a week trying to figure all of this out. And so everyone agreed we could do 50 more. And so we ended up with 50 more. And we sold those out in three more days. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's it's an acknowledgement, I think, of the need for this type of event. It's that developers are not, particularly the enterprise developers, the people we are trying to service here. There's nothing like this. There's, you know, some vendor events, which are very important, but they talk that vendor message. They talk a, a specific line, yeah. but there's nothing like this where you can come here and in our keynote, uh, Terry Burns, the, the fantastic Terry Burns, who she... Put up on stage, as an example, uh, an AI uh, bot called Tay. It was built by Microsoft. They're a sponsor here. And she was using it as a bad example. You would never have that at a Microsoft event because it's just not on message. Um, I think we fill a gap that developers want, that, that sort of you can come here and you can hear how bad things are and how good things are and know that it's from a position of genuineness. It's not a well oh, marketing made me tell you that this stuff was good. When somebody gets on stage and tells you this system is good, mm. that the technology they're using is good, you know it's because they believe it. And I think that's very important. And yeah, I think we've seven hundred fifty, seven hundred sixty people mm-hmm. gave us the, the their belief that we wouldn't waste their time. So, is it too early to say what you're going to go for next year?
0: Or are you going to think that you can't get seven hundred fifty people again?
1: I really, I feel like we found the sweet spot, but I'm super risk-averse, and I didn't get involved with DevConf 1 because of that. <laughs> you know, when these guys said, "No, we'll get 300 people, and it'll be awesome, and we'll do it in the middle of the week. I went, are you guys crazy? Don't you think we should do something at Wits with a hot dog stand? And when I walked in, I was completely blown away. So... I actually do think that if we set ourselves a goal bigger than the one we achieved today, we would reach it.
5: Right. I mean, we can talk about frames here, right? Like, there's no one else, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's listening. That's
5: <laughs> fine. You know, a big, a big idea is I'm very happy. The venue, I'm happy with the venue is important because it talk, it, it sets a tone, and this is a great venue for this. Um, where if we, and I'm not necessarily convinced getting bigger is going to mm. provide benefit. Seven hundred and fifty feels like even it's sort of at that point where it might be too impersonal. It's probably out of I, I really don't feel like I want to go much bigger than this if at all. That said though, Cape Town is totally service by this sort of yeah. thing. There's nothing stopping us running DevConf twenty eighteen over a week where we do Tuesday in Johannesburg and a smaller, maybe 200 person event in Cape Town. I mean, we're just among friends, so this mm. is there's no promises. Um, but a smaller 200, 300 person event in Cape Town on a Thursday um, and bringing some of our speakers down and having that sort of thing there because I think we can, there's a lot of companies, financial services, retail, things like that, who would benefit from this as well.
1: Plus, the people that flew up from Cape Town to be here today would go to the Cape Town event, which means the people that were on our waiting list that didn't make mm. it to today would be serviced by this event here in Joburg. So I think in a way it's a good thing. And we keep to our 750 and I think we will meet the, the demand.
0: I think this venue held everybody perfectly. Yeah. They didn't.
1: Yeah. The flow was really good mm. because it's, it's, even though it's quite spacious, it does seem to be contained. So you don't ever feel like people are outside of a door somewhere and they're inaccessible. Everyone feels like they're still in the same space, but they're not, um, they're not squashed. And they don't feel like they're in each other's space.
5: Yeah, well, definitely. Well, um, well yeah. before we end, I <laughs> want to know from you, what did you think? <laughs> Tell us about how it's been doing the podcast here. and Yeah, it's been great. Um, I didn't get nearly as many recordings
0: done as I would have liked to. Um, it's strangely difficult doing this in-person live. We had so many good chats just with people everywhere, like asking them what's going on. Um, everybody's been happy. The speakers were all happy. and um, They all felt obviously relieved after their talks were over. Um, I haven't heard a single single bad thing. And I was also following it on Twitter like heavily um, and just saw people really happy. Lots of activity, I think a bit more than last year. I didn't see a single complaint on Twitter. Neither
1: did we. I, oh, gonna, did we? I
5: I've been I've been on Twitter like a hawk. Yeah. I'm gonna say I there was a couple little issues. Um, but, I think you know, I, nothing nothing that wasn't dealt with quickly and resolved quickly. And but my in-person
0: room. chats with people have room. been very positive. It was also great to see a bunch of people that I saw last year, um, some people I worked with a while ago that I almost had to drag kicking and screaming to Defconv last year to just go like, you need to come learn. Like it's important for all the reasons that you stated earlier, Rob. It's like, it's important to see what you don't know. Like here, new stuff that's now can like start seeding and populating your brain. And boom, back here, same teams doing their thing. And I haven't seen them since. Um, and that's absolutely fantastic. And it's nice seeing at the scale, like different people I know that I didn't know knew each other Are they busy connecting and chatting? And you hear how people are sharing their stories and whatnot. I had a chat to some of the sponsors as well. They were all very happy and excited. The offers in guys were great. The BBD guys were great. So and it was so much fun seeing people. The the virtual reality stands, people were engaged in there the whole time. Uh, Driven waxed it with the coffee, as always. The Bean there guys are really good. It is good, yeah, and I mean those baristas keep their head up. I mean they must hear a million stupid jokes by the time I get there and make a stupid joke and they still smile and laugh and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um I think the fact that EOH sponsored the drinks and giving us I mean it's it's nearly seven o'clock now as we record this, um, uh, people are hanging around. Yeah, I mean same. that's a big nobody rushed out. And it's not just one of those things. So the fact that this we can hear like laughter in the background mm-hmm. and we're far away from the main room, it's like it's a testament to it. An absolute yes. testament to it. I think you guys I'm did great.
1: I, I really like, I expected this event to be amazing and it was amazing than I expected. Really it was. And one of the things that I would also just like to acknowledge is that we're seeing so many more ladies coming to these events. So being a woman in IT myself, I noticed that. Our agenda had, I think we had six or seven women in our agenda And that was absolutely incredible. And the show of support from the audience as well, incredible. It was just absolutely mind-blowing. So I'm really happy to see the diversity that these kind of events is starting to encourage.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I noticed the same thing. Mm. I definitely noticed the same thing. It's becoming a
1: much safer space for everybody. Yeah, and it's
0: nice having the Code of Conduct up and right there in the opening opening welcome message. So people know that there's a, you know, an expectation. Mm. That was great. Now, congratulations.
5: Thank you. And, thank, and, you th- and thank you for having us your support. Well. No, right. thank you. I mean, it's important for us to have, you know, as I said the other day, an email uh, when I was introducing you to uh, Lee, who's our PR woman. You know, the, this is the premier podcast. There is no better podcast for us to be part of. We need to make sure they're there, and we need to make sure they're happy. And so thank you for your support and thank you for, for giving us a chance to talk tonight.
0: Mm.
5: Yeah, thanks.
1: Thank you, Ken. And uh,
5: looking forward to Defcon 2018?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So are we. And I'm sure... So well, well
5: might... I'll look forward to it next week.
1: <laughs> yes. This, yeah, week, yeah. this week I'm, I'm well, taking all well, the rest July. of it. Yeah. You can
5: start looking forward to it
0: in July. A earlier, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> in June. June. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah, and I, I guess same thing goes. As you said, Like if, if people are hearing to this and they want to sponsor, um, they can reach out in time. Email maybe us.
5: Are we... Earlier or later? Okay. Yeah. Info at today. Mm-hmm. Email us now. Uh, we'll put you in our mailing lists. Make sure that the moment we have our sponsor plans, the moment we have our ticket plans, the moment we have anything, we'll, we'll, we'll communicate.
0: Yeah, and I mean, people can just follow DevConf on Twitter. Keep an eye mm-hmm. open for when the CFP is open. Definitely. Yeah, get their talks in. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think this is a great, great chance for anybody who wants to, to speak to really
1: definitely.
0: get a good leg up.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I know we're about to conclude, but I, I think it is just important to say that as much as we had very experienced speakers and very, very good presenters here today, we also did make provision for brand new people, people that have nothing on YouTube and we haven't seen in any of our user groups. They were welcome, and there were speakers like that today. Here. So
3: no, there, is, there
1: is certainly room for that. So people shouldn't feel like they they don't, they, that they shouldn't submit because they've never been at a conference before. We do make provision for that. And
0: I guess if a new speaker is feeling nervous, they've at least got the developer UGS like on ramp.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. We if have a 10 minutes slot for that yeah. every single meetup.
5: And, and if, if a is feeling nervous, we can talk to Candice and myself who literally, as we were walking onto stage for the keynote, were feeling nervous.
1: 100%. It's
5: totally normal and we are there to support and help, you know. It's... We use the developer user group. We'll give up time to talk. And, you know, speakers here were talking to me on email about their presentations, what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it. And, and at least
0: a- if they don't uh, make it, they get a generous discount.
1: They do get a generous discount. Absolutely. I
0: was actually speaking to, to one speaker who didn't make it, but Andy actually read his email and saw he had a discount. And I remember last year I said, like, people just bought full price tickets and oh. they didn't even know they got the, <laughs> the discount. So there's even some merit in giving it your best.
1: Definitely, yeah, we really appreciate that. And there are people who have been speakers at these events in the past that are more than willing to mentor. So should a a newish speaker get selected to speak at DevConf, there are people like Donnie Roo who's put his hand up before and said, I'm willing to mentor. If anybody wants that service, I'm willing to offer it. And he's an amazing person to learn from. Mm. So like the support is out there, whether it's from us or whether it's from other members of the community. It's there and it should be
0: taken full advantage of. Yeah, Cool, Well, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And enjoy the break after this now. Okay.
1: For one week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Show notes for this episode can be found on ZADevchat.io. As always, ratings and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated. If you have feedback on this episode or any other episode, you can tweet us at ZADevchat or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for listening to the Chat podcast and we'll see you next time.